go, yes, we rotate. 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I'm your host tonight, Jaron Peterson. People of color, immigrants, women, various non-Christian religions, LGBTQIA plus people, people with disabilities. So many of us belong to groups that, uh, shall we say, live with a certain lack of privilege. At the same time, many of us, as individuals, do possess privilege in certain areas. On tonight's show, we'll focus on two communities I need to know better. Join me. Together, we will explore challenges faced by the LGBTQIA community and by people with disabilities. Hopefully, all of us who need to learn can learn something together. We will explore ways to call people in when they make mistakes rather than call them out. And most important tonight, we will learn how to become more effective allies with the LGBTQIA community and with people with disabilities. All that tonight on Full Circle. Stay with us. Hello, everyone, and again, welcome to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. So now we're going to discuss one of my favorite topics, privilege, and ways we can work to dismantle all of that, in part by allying with each other. So while all of us are being robbed by, let's say, a certain predominantly white rich male segment of society, not all groups are affected in exactly the same ways. This is hard to see from the outside, as we all strive to thrive, and it's one reason we're not always there for each other. If we are to survive, most of us do need allies, but sometimes we need to be allies as well. So, privilege is complicated, and so is the concept of allyship. Most of us have areas where we are non-privileged or less privileged, but for many of us, in some areas, we are very well privileged, And for a whole lot of us, privilege is a mixed bag. So, allow me some self-disclosure. I'm an older, non-wealthy woman of color, but I have cisgender, heterosexual, non-disabled privilege. Plus, I'm a U.S. citizen. But then I also have almost middle class and light-skinned, while not white, not as much, but sort of kind of privilege. So yeah, folks like me need allies, but mixed privileged folks like me, and possibly many of you, also need to show up for others so we can make real change happen for everybody. Tonight, we focus on two groups that I do not belong to, but that we all need to seriously need to ally with altogether. Hopefully, you and I can all learn from this uh, evening. My guests tonight are, alphabetically speaking, Justine Schlesinger from Access Centered Movement and Fresh Love White from Affirmative Acts Coaching. Welcome, uh, Lev and Justine. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. So, um, could uh, let's see, we'll start with Justine. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do to promote your your concept of allyship? Um, yeah, hi, my name is Justine Schlesinger. I use pronouns she, her, and hers. Um, I am a disabled, chronically ill, um, Jewish, anti-racist, white accomplice, um, queer femme, and uh, yeah, I am one of the collective members of Access Centered Movement um, and involved in the disability justice uh, movement or framework, which um, is a framework that was started in the early 2000s by disabled queer people of color. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think uh, conversations around allyship are really interesting. Um, I, I also want to note that there's another concept called an accomplice, which is um, fairly, which I would say is a newer term than ally. And it, an ally is someone, it's a verb, they're important, we are important. And um, uh, being an accomplice means that we understand the interconnectedness, interdependency of all beings, and that we are interested in dismantling the oppressive system. Um, so, for example, to be an accomplice for folks with disabilities would be to actively be working to dismantle ableism while being an ally to our community might be educating yourself, um, standing up against ableism at a party with your friends, um, making sure that you're not participating in microaggressions. Um, and yeah, I would say the first step for most folks uh, would be education um, because folks with disabilities, we are systematically isolated. And so there's many able-bodied people who think that they've never met someone with a disabilities or a chronic illness. So uh, uh, accomplices are, it's kind of like the next level. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if we're going to put it in a, in a hierarchy, I guess, yes, it would be the next level. And um, yeah, I mean, being an ally is a great place to start. And I think for us to really make effective change, we're going to need some more accomplices in all areas. So, I like that. I like that <laughs> term a lot. Uh, Lev, could you tell us a little about yourself? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Lev. I'm also known as Fresh. And my pronouns are he and they. And I'm a community activist and a trainer. Affirmative Acts Coaching is my organization, which is really me and people I'll bring on, consultants. Um, and I offer uh, trans, uh, gender nonconforming, and LGBT ally trainings uh, to corporations and um, schools and nonprofits throughout the Bay Area. Um, I'm also, and I offer another class, uh, another workshop called Dismantling Microaggressions. Uh, I believe that those, I try to complement them and do them together as often as possible, helping us to have a clearer perspective or actually see our unconscious bias and then helping us to dismantle the harm that, that can come from them. I'm also um, an ally to many communities, 
including um, disabled community. And I work as an accomplice for communities in a different way, which is I've had the opportunity to support um, internal uh, documents and policies that help to um, ensure that there's equity across the board uh, for everyone and including uh, creating more access for people who need it in the ways they do. Policies and infrastructure, so important. Thank you. So um, I'm going to ask each of you, what do you see as some unique or specific challenges that you face and that we're not very helpful with? Um, well, I first want to note that uh, these are complex conversations because yes. all of us have um, intersectional identities and the disabled community, it's almost hard to say community because we are so different and there's so many different kinds of disabilities. Um, there's those of us that are queer, I'm white, there's a lot of uh, black indigenous um, people of color in our community and we all have different experiences. And that being said, I do think that there are some things that those of us with um, disabilities and chronic illness um, can speak to. And I want to um, say that I am an individual voice and yes, I do do trainings on this and um, I created, co-created the Access-Centered Framework, and um, I am one person with disabilities, and I cannot speak, oops, I cannot speak for our entire community. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, in general, um, access needs are something like bare minimum. Are we, as folks with disabilities and chronic illness, even able to access physically what you're offering. And that could be um, everything from things involved in the ADA, like wheelchair accessible. It can be um, uh, chemical fragrance. Is the environment fairly low scent? What about um, the light? There's lots of folks with disabilities that are very sensitive to um, fluorescence or flashing light. Um, there's conversations around, um, is it interpreted by an ASL interpreter, which is not only one type of um, language that the deaf community uses? Um, is there Braille involved, um, et cetera? Um, and I want to note that we all have access needs. Literally everyone has needs to access space. Some are so, uh, the ones that are, let's say, the ones that support capitalism, like we're going to make sure everyone has glasses so that they can work, or we're going to make sure that, um, I don't know, this environment is temperature controlled. Um, things that we uh, are sort of invisibilized uh, to the average person. Um, so asking people's access needs, asking collective access needs, and also to note that access does not stop at disability, that when we talk about access, it's important to think of intersectional access. Um, and that can mean related to class, gender, um, race, et cetera. So, um, I mean, there's a long list I can give, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'll say that um, access needs is one place to start. I did know that was a tough question, <laughs> but it seemed to be a necessary one. Yeah, no, thank you. 
And I love um, Jess talking about how we all have needs. And yes. one of the beautiful things about the work that Jess and I and many other people are doing is we're actually allowing people to tap into their humanness. Because it's sort of like that's not part of the capital system. And so um, women are realizing that they've been standing in lines uh, during the whole intermission for years so that restroom access is not a transgender issue. It's a human issue that we have to buy a coffee in order to get to a bathroom in in any city in town. So just those types of things. As a transgender man of color... Uh, my experience has been interesting. I'm answering the same question, right? Yes, you my, are. <laughs> my interest, my, my, I've gone from being this invisible um, African-American masculine person that is nowhere, you know, or was nowhere for the most part in any of our systems or visible anywhere to being um, basically a target of both police and erotic um erotic attention by many members of the community. So that part's been interesting. Uh, And then there's um, the challenges of even um, sort of appearing one way for the sake of not being identified as another. So I always tell people, I was born in the right body. I really appreciated being born female, but the she doesn't work for me. And so in order for me to walk in this world in my comfort, I grow a beard so that my masculine side, which has always been um, who I was, um, gets recognized. Uh, there... I, I'm, Uh, Next week, I'll be going to Highland uh, Hospital and talking to residents there about um, how oppression can happen for uh, people with different bodies and different genders and different identities. So there's challenges um, for whether it's access to bathrooms, access to respectful medical care or medical care at all. Um, And then, of course, there's... um, there's misogyny that plays out. Uh, so we have um, particular violence that happens to trans women of color that's very visible. And um, a more, I guess you could say, subtler violence that happens to trans men where the suicide rates for them are much higher. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. Hopefully I answered some of your questions. <laughs> I think you did. And, th- and thank you. I do realize uh, this is... Not the easiest conversation to have, not the easiest questions to answer, that there's so many variables. Yes. No group is monolithic. No. So uh, there are different needs. Um, what, what do you like, what do you want to see in an ally? Uh, we'll move to accomplices maybe later, but <laughs> what would you like to see in an ally? How can... Um. Well, I think the first thing is around education, because I think all of us in marginalized groups, there's an expectation that it's our duty, our job to educate those that are not in the group. And I know for myself as a white person, it has been really important for me to um, fall under the leadership of black indigenous people of color and listen when I'm asked to listen. And there's a lot of work I've had to do with other white folks or on my own to not put that burden um, 
on a community that I'm not a part of. And um, I think that the same, I would say, for the queer community or the disabled, sick and disabled community, um, I I know for myself, I would love it if people would um, educate themselves a bit more, especially able-bodied folks, but even disabled folks, because I myself have been disabled most of my life. However, I had a lot of internalized ableism until I came across disability justice. Um, I think that the best way to be an ally is to um, read articles uh, by folks in the disability justice movement, which is very different than the disability rights movement, which we're all grateful for. It created the ADA. Um, and disability justice is so beautiful because it's the only framework I've ever um, seen where um, everyone benefits from it. It really, um, because it's led by the most marginalized. And there's a lot of amazing writers out there like Mia Mingus. Um, there's a lot of local folks. Patty Byrne uh, runs an organization called Sins Invalid and they have a lot mm -hmm. of great resources. And so, yeah, I mean, education is um, an amazing place to start in terms of learning about different bodies, different minds, different body minds. Um, and recognizing the, um, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this, which is to say that I think that the aversion to this for this group in particular, for the sick and disabled group, is that I think a lot of folks um, have a lot of fear around disability and sickness because it's really something that is going to, every single human is going to experience in your lifetime or you're going to die. Like there really isn't any in between and that, so when people see a chronically ill person, when people see an able-bodied person and they are not of that group, I think it brings up so much fear and as a result there's a distance that is held and so I really invite folks to um, to realize that like there's so much beauty and wisdom to be um, held and found from disabled body minds and we have so much to offer thank you Lep? yes um, there was something that just said Let's see if I, I might have lost it because I was just following. I, I just love hearing you speak. And uh, the idea that uh, the disabled community does encompass, like, I feel like everybody in every way, it's uh, it, it, from every different culture, ethnicity, everybody's a part of it. Um, and the idea that we've tried to um, invisibilize uh, folks. But there was something I wanted to say, I can't remember. All right, I'll, I'll come back to that. But thank you for your share. Uh, and the question was... What, <laughs> uh, what do you want like to see in an ally? Uh, what uh, maybe skills or uh, yeah. uh, attitudes? A, lo a lot of what Lum just said. So it's about education, um, learning to uh, be vulnerable enough to actually ask someone what they need. Uh, ask people what they need, and then also be able to stand back and stand by. Uh, there's so many ways that we can be allies for people. It might be not just, um, you know, grabbing the cart from someone and pushing it for them, but actually asking them. It might be... Um, 
during uh, right after what happened in Pittsburgh, I was able to go to a local um, synagogue, uh, Kahila, where I uh, spend have spent a lot of time this year, and just be present with everyone mm. that's there. Sometimes it's just about being present. Um, but I think I feel like uh, Jess covered most of it, and it's just true across the board. I do think for the um, I am cisgender and I'm very connect I'm queer and I'm very connected in our community and I know that pronouns are a huge thing not to assume people's pronouns and to ask before um, assuming and also refraining from saying things like oh hi ladies or gents you know and it's it's hard because that's so culturally embedded and um, I've been with folks that don't identify as a lady and I've witnessed the pain that happens and um and so I know I know for myself I've started just kind of never assuming someone's pronoun anymore yeah and if you're going to ask be sure to offer yours Mm. so that uh, that would be begin the conversation, and yes, of course, the Mister Ms. Um, it's outdated. It doesn't work. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Thank you, Jess. Um, Justine. Justine, <laughs> yes. So, um, and I think um, one thing we do we we have many things in common. One of them being that we have been that person who's uh, stuck in a party or a meeting, suddenly having to represent an entire group and teach. And, uh, you know, I'm not one of those, I don't don't even teach for a living. Um, So what what are some good ways, and I think that may go for all kinds of communities, can you you suggest for people who want to educate themselves but do not want to be that person who's cornered somebody at the buffet? Hmm. That's a really good question. You're you're saying the person who cornered the person or the person who is cornered? Uh, how do we educate the person who's uh, doing the cornering? Yeah, I mean, um, are you are you asking uh, what an ally if they want more education? How to ask? How it? to do it without being obnoxious? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. I think the first thing to note is that everyone's different. And so, you know, I've said, I've asked one thing one way to someone and of someone of the same identity, the same question with two very different responses. So unfortunately, I don't think there's a cookie cutter response. And, and I do think in general, um, the, the more humility and compassion versus feeling like, oh, I'm entitled to this information. Um, asking permission to even ask a question, mm-hmm. I think is great. So would it be okay if I asked you a question about something and then um, I'm looking for more resources? Is that something that you have capacity or ability to offer me and if not I totally understand you know approaching it with care and love I think is really important um yeah and I would add um not to ask anyone something that you wouldn't want yourself asked 
So being very res- being respectful around um, just people's bodies and life experiences. I think that that's unfortunately an experience that uh, many trans people have, but we also as an African American, you know, I've certainly had, you know, have white people come up to me and say, so do you ever really get pulled over? And so just like, um, and yes, I have, uh, for drinking water was the first time. So just like, um, just be mindful, <laughs> be mindful of when you're going to, uh, before you open your mouth. And as Jess said, there are actually people who will, are more than willing to share, and someone might not be willing to share. Please um, don't take it personally and allow that person the space because they don't owe it to you. Thank you. And I hope to see more of that coming at me, too. <laughs> but, uh, yes, those are, very, those are excellent. I think uh, often we don't... All we see is a label, we don't see a person. Mm -hmm. Or we'll see a news story or something, and we don't see a person. Anyway, you've been listening to Justine Schlesinger and Fresh Love White. We're discussing best ways to be an ally to communities outside my own and inside everybody's. And in this case, we're talking primarily about people with disabilities and LGBTQIA+. And now, a short music break. DJ Loaf, who recently came out, and Leon Bridges bring us Liberated. Stay with us. Immediately when I hear the word liberated, I think of freedom. Owning my voice. When I'm allowed to say what I want. Being you, that's that's how you're liberated. That's how you're free. Liberation starts within yourself. To be truly liberated, you are accepted. Education. Liberate myself so that I can then liberate others. You just have to do what makes you, you. Total freedom. We all need a little bit more of it, you know? Love yourself and all the things around you. There's a lot of power in liberation. Shake it, baby. Shake it, baby. Like I know you can. So many things in this world. 
Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. That was Liberated with DJ Loaf and Leon Bridges. We now continue chatting with our guests, Jess Dean Schlesinger from Access Centered Movement and Fresh Love White from Affirmative Acts Coaching. Sorry about my tongue. It's okay. My name's hard. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... I think uh, one of the questions we just talked about uh, during break is what are some questions that I or anybody else should never ask you? Um, Well, we start with, as I mentioned, certainly nothing you wouldn't want someone to ask yourself. So um, I've had questions like, have you had the surgery? As if surgery is a requirement for being transgender, and it is not. Um, and, yeah, and uh, and I believe that people ask that from a place of privilege. Uh, and the other question that I mentioned, as an African-American person, I've had discussions with people who don't believe that I get followed around stores. Um, <laughs> and... Um, people uh, asking questions like, so what's your real name? As if the name that they're offered isn't real enough. Um, Yeah, that's some of them. I'll let Jess take some more. Yeah, there's so many invasive questions about our bodies and our minds. And um, I know for myself as someone who has a disability that is sometimes invisible, and sometimes not, the main question I'll get is what's wrong with you, which, first of all, um, to say something's wrong with me is fairly offensive, and I wouldn't wouldn't say that to you. So, um, and sometimes people uh, ask the question in a more tactful way, um, what's your disability, or, and um, it's generally... uh, considered a faux pas in our community. It's very private. It's very invasive. I've never met you before. Um, I'm not asking you about all of your um, medical history or um, conditions or anything that you're dealing with. And um, it, it feels so, so invasive. Um, and so I urge all folks to um, not ask that unless someone gives the information freely and on their own. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Are there any other pet peeves you would like to discuss or myths that we want to bust? There are so many, but I (laughs) I will limit myself. (laughs) Well, um, one thing that happens is, um, and this is a complicated conversation because um, I want to hold... I do not have developmental disability and I want to hold folks in our community with developmental disability and say um, we don't need to be speaking to folks with mental illness or developmental disability as 
uh, as if they are toddlers, um, if they're adults. Um, I mean, some would argue you don't need to talk to toddlers that way even. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I use my cane, I am, first of all, touched unconsensually constantly. People assume that uh, if you're disabled, you need help. And sometimes, yeah, we can use help. And please ask first. Oh, I mean, this is a general rule of mine in general before touching anyone ever ask for consent um so that's one thing um the other thing is yeah i will be talked to when i have my cane as if i um if i'm five and it's really interesting um and it's very problematic and it's very disheartening it's very confusing and it plays into this trope that disabled folks like myself in order to get services we have to perform this role of this like pitiful person and that's so confusing when you're trying to um, omit internalized oppression and feel proud of an identity and feel okay in myself um I am not two years old. I am not five years old. Um, and it's it's mind-boggling, actually. Mm. I'm thinking about how we can confuse sex and gender and sexuality and gender and how important it is to investigate. And if you're having a relationship with someone who's close, ask those questions and not make assumptions. Um There is this way, I get touched all the time, uh, mostly by white people, um, just because it seems like a cool thing to do. Um, Yeah, my hair's short, so people aren't touching my hair as much, but when I had dreads, I've had someone walk up to me and cup my hand cup their hands around my face like cut my face cup my face in their hands and just say oh my god you look like blah 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 and um uh in that moment knowing that had that been reversed i might have been arrested um not assuming anyone's um mental or uh mental or physical um, abilities or inabilities, it's not okay, Um, just because someone's trans or for any reason. And certainly, it's also a myth that trans men hate women or women hate men. Like, try to do your education and rise above whatever you're hearing on the streets. It's your responsibility to educate yourself. Uh, Yeah, those are some of the myths that I think are important to overcome. And really, uh, Jess has used this word a lot more, we're all intersectional. And um, it's our responsibility to actually practice compassion with ourselves first, whoever we are. And we'll find that when we're meeting, greeting, and interacting with others, the compassion can show up for them as well. Mm -hmm. But really, starting with you. So much of the um, antagonistic behavior that comes towards the trans community is often by people who are just confused about their own gender and sexuality and or have been harmed in a system that has, um, you know, not many people know that pink and blue are fashion designer designations. They did not, we were not, like, there's no uh, spirit in the sky that said these are what the colors are, but we actually hold people that way. So really just uh, working on your education. Mm. 
I actually have one more thing, which is to not give unsolicited advice. Mm. And I also think this is a general rule. Pretty much no one wants it, like mm. ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I cannot say how many times when I've talked about chronic pain or things that I deal with, someone is like, have you tried acupuncture? And it's like, no, I've been chronically sick for 20 years mm. from California and I have not tried. It's just, it's... Um, Stop. It's more about that person feeling uncomfortable mm -hmm. about my body mind and wanting to fix it because they feel uncomfortable. The compassionate, loving thing to do is hold space for difference, mm -hmm. hold space for pain. Mm. Thank you. That's excellent. Um, so on our, on our way to being allies, we're going to make... Um, just about every mistake you you listed here, we we all are. Uh, but uh, before the show, I was talking to Lev, who introduced me to the turn calling in, and Jess, you mentioned it when I talked to you, and I know you work together in some capacities. So we're all trying to create a new language when English fails us. Um, we call folks out when they say or do something we feel is inappropriate or insensitive. But how do we call folks in instead? Any suggestions on that? Um, I, I have a, um, a little story about it's around race. And so during uh, the Ferguson uh, um, event that was going on and um, after the trial there was a white person on Twitter who said I can't believe this is happening I thought racism was over and so for some people I think the response is you, you know you idiot you know where have you been and my response was simply that's exactly what you were supposed to think so where can you go for resources for you to better educate yourself? So approaching it with compassion, knowing that people are going to... I make mistakes. Knowing that people are going to make mistakes. And like I said, really, um, if you're doing your work, you're doing the education, you're asking the proper questions at the right time uh, that are appropriate for the situation, whether it be about gender or needs, and knowing that you're going to make, you know, knowing you're going to make mistakes and being compassionate with yourself that's for me that's how I learn better when someone corrects me and I can be compassionate with myself than if I beat myself up constantly I'm guaranteed to mess up more <laughs> if I'm beating myself up constantly because I'm telling myself the thing that I shouldn't do <laughs> so um, yes that's one of the that that for me is calling in it's like having compassion for for the idea that we're blowing up language. We're blowing up um, humanity in this in talking about the expansion of who we are. So, yeah, join us. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the human race. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I agree with what Love said. It, it is. Uh, for me, a call-in involves compassion and love. And um, I don't, you know, it's not appropriate for me, especially as a white person, to tell any community how to deal if um, there's been violence. or. And there's definitely moments where a call-out is absolutely necessary, especially if there has been um, violence involved. Um, 
And for myself, for the most part, I try to practice call in because I find it to be more effective, just like what Lev was talking about. And um, I also find that I feel better, that the less I participate in violence, the better I feel. And so even if it's completely self-serving, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to practice that um, because it's not for me. It's not worth the energy. It's just not. And um, yeah. Mm. So, um, Justine, could you provide an, a, a, an example of have, having called someone in? I don't want to put you on the spot again. But. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, recently I was at an event and I disclosed that I was disabled and I was on stage. And afterwards, this cis, straight, middle-aged white man came up to me. I mean, he like waited for 20 minutes to come up to me just to ask me what was my disability. Um, and I was pretty blown away that that was happening. And I gently informed him that um, I wasn't going to give him that information because, um, you know, I, kind, I kindly informed him it was none of his business. And I told him that in general, um, it's a good rule not to ask folks with disabilities that question. I did it uh, with compassion, I understood that he didn't know any better. Um, it doesn't excuse. So when we talk about calling in, I want to be very clear that we're not saying that um, intention and impact and that difference doesn't matter. So this man's impact on me, he needs to be accountable for that. And I didn't feel that me um, getting angry with him was going to make that happen any more successfully. And I didn't want to feel that energy. Very good. Thank you. You have been listening to Fresh Lev White and Justine Schlesinger on Full Circle, KPFA 94.1 FM. We're talking about becoming true allies with the LGBTQIA plus community and with people with disabilities and with any community of humans. We'll be back after a short music break. Flame is a band whose members have a variety of disabilities. Let's listen to Flame in Call This Home. Stay with us. I hear the leaves crack under my feet Black tires rolling down this old street So many years ago
Thanks once again for joining us here on Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. You just heard Call This Home by Flame. And we're still speaking with uh, Fresh Lev White from Affirmative Acts Coaching and Justine Schlesinger Schlesinger from Access Centered Movement and allying with two communities. Well, three. People with disabilities, LGBTQIA+, and the world. So we have a little bit of time. Um, could you please tell us more about yourself, your journeys? Um, sure. Thank you for asking. Um, my journey is, um, it's been a long and arduous journey, to be honest. Uh, folks with disabilities, we're not treated well in this society. And um, I've lived on, I lived in the margins for many, many years. Um, accessing healthcare was a nightmare. Um, getting benefits was a nightmare. Um, and I've lived off of disability for about 10 years. And, um, and so that means also I've been living in poverty for 10 years. And uh, so my story is very common. Um, I'm actually very privileged. Um, to even have what I have. There's lots of folks that are disabled that end up on the streets um, and racism plays a big role in that. Uh, so um, I'm from Los Angeles. I moved to the Bay in 2002 and uh, I um, currently, um, uh, I am a yoga and movement teacher and as a white person, I do work on decolonizing my yoga practice. Um, so I was t doing my yoga teacher training and it was trauma informed, which is amazing. Um, and it didn't, it wasn't accessible for me. And so um, with the influence of disability justice, which again is under the leadership and founded by disabled queer people of color, um, we, I created uh, Access Centered Movement and I currently have two um, collaborators, Neve Bianco Mazik and also India Harville. You can find both of their information on the Access Centered Movement website, which is accesscenteredmovement.com. Um, I do trainings to offer movement teachers and events and organizations in general how to apply the access-centered framework. Um, I am involved with disability justice activism, and I also consider myself a healer as I offer support um, around trauma and chronic pain to um, many folks in the sick and disabled queer community who don't have access um, otherwise, either because of financial reasons or lack of gendered access or um, lack of access for their bodies or their minds. Um, I um, 
strive really hard to, I myself have mental illness and I strive really hard to educate myself and work on being inclusive um, around mental illness because I only have one kind. Um, And there's so much shame in our society still around that. Um, And also I have thin privilege. I do a lot of work um, educating myself around fat liberation and how to be inclusive of self-identified fat bodies. I will say that one of the things I love the most is uh, being a teacher at the East Bay Meditation Center, which is how I met love. And um, yeah, I mean, my dream is uh, to expand access-centered movement into a certification program um, and to have a larger organization where we offer um, ways for people who are systematically excluded from doing this to access their bodies. There are so many of us where it's just assumed like we don't want to move, we can't move. And especially for Mm -hmm. folks in the disabled community, we're really segregated to the medical world, which is not only incredibly expensive, but very isolating. Like there would be weeks gone by where I didn't interact with another human. And so um, it's a really big goal of mine to uh, make sure that folks with disabilities, we get more access. Thank you. Thank you. Worthy goal. <laughs> Love. Yeah, it's always an honor to uh, be in space with Jess. And um, Oh, and likewise. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm probably uh, almost 30 years older, and I feel like um, one of the um, things that uh, helps me to be a leader in my community is really staying involved and keeping in touch with our youth, and I I very much appreciate everything that I continue to learn. I want to roll back a little bit to the ally question and just say the other thing that's not cool is outing people. So there's never a reason for you to tell somebody that I'm trans unless for some reason they're interested in a training or they want to go on a date maybe. But um, this idea of just deciding to have that be part of a conversation um, is not cool. So I just wanted to uh, bring that up. And of course, um, with accomplices and allies to make sure that they're accessible and local bathrooms. We can talk about that later. What's come, what comes up for me is uh, I'm a privileged person in this way. I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood in uh, Bronx, New York. And there were, I mean, I can't get into the list of different peoples that I encountered. Um, I'm an adoptee. My mother was very... Um, adamant about us being respectful for everyone, including those who with, with, uh, who are disabled. It was just stuff that came up. Um, with this privilege, I've been able to walk in and be in spaces where I'm quote-unquote not supposed to be, but access the knowledge that I need to help um, to provide support for our larger communities. So um, I've spent the last um, 10 years as a professional life coach, and um, I also, like I mentioned, offer trainings and workshops whether it's about dismantling microaggressions or to help create allies for the LGBT community. 
I'm also a mindfulness um, instructor and and a practitioner. This work in itself is is uh, for me very strongly. I focus on compassion, um, love, and equity, which is something that you'll hear coming out of the East Bay Meditation Center, which is sort of a social justice um, organization as well as uh, committed to Dharma practices. Um, what else to say about myself? I am. I generally love everyone. And uh, that means that I've got, I do a lot of work about being vulnerable and available while still having healthy boundaries. But I really believe that we can all live fully, that there's enough for everyone, that we can all have happy and um, fulfilling lives. We just have to practice being kind to ourselves first, which comes out and helps provide space for others. Um, yeah, there's. I'll, I hopefully that gives you a little bit about who I am. I'm I'm a New Yorker who's living in Oakland now, um, and loves the ocean. <laughs> Thanks, love. And I'm single. Cool. If that's it. <laughs> joking, I mean not joking, but yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> and very good looking. Oh, thank you. So he's single. <laughs> I spent a few years uh, consciously celibate, and so now that I'm out, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> Come find me. <laughs> I'll give you his phone number later. <laughs> we are not going to be posting it on kpfaapprentice.org. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think we might have time for just a minute or two of music. Um, no Fear by DJ Love. By DJ Loaf. Is that... So um, so while we're queuing that up, <laughs> I want to thank you very much. This has actually been enjoyable, mm-hmm. even though we're talking about very rough topics. There are things that I identified with that I did not expect to identify with. And uh, for, But why? You know, once you do, it's like, oh, well, yeah, duh. Um, and there's so much intersectionality. It's just a, a learning a way of looking at people with that may or may not look like you. I want to offer a couple of um, resources as well. Please. So uh, Gender Spectrum is an organization that supports families and youth, and they're in Berkeley, and you can find them online. Um, The Pacific Center is also offering um, classes and information um, on the East Bay. Uh, There's a new uh, Oakland LGBT center that many people don't know about. And um, as I mentioned, if you um, look up affirmativeacts.org, I offer trainings um, in several places around the Bay Area. And definitely check out Jess's, uh, Jess Dean's uh, uh, yoga classes. I've taken them. I'm one of those people with invisible disabilities. And so I found that when I'm in that space, um, Mm. uh, nobody's judging me, right? Um, And so, yeah. And I'm looking forward to working. uh, And if you know a trans person, the East Bay Meditation Center offers... um, meditation for um, um, transgender and gender non-conforming folks on the last fourth Monday of every month. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Could I 
Could I give a couple resources before we end? Do we have time? Very quick. Okay. Very quickly. Um, please check out Leah Lakshmi Piepsna Samarasina's yes. new book on disability justice mm. care work. It is a great resource. Also, feel free to check out uh, the Access Centered Movement website, www.accesscenteredmovement.com. And uh, speaking of the yoga class, I will be restarting it um, Sundays at 5 p.m. at the Borp Fitness Studio which is in the Ed Roberts campus above Ashby Bart in Berkeley. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Thanks for having us, Sharon. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for joining us here on Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. You just heard call it... Whoa. You did not hear Call This Home by Flame, but we are talking about <laughs> with Treshlev White and Justine Schlesinger on allying with two communities, people with disabilities and LGBTQIA+, and add one more community, the world. Many thanks to Lev and Justine. Full Circle airs every Friday at 7 p.m. The show is produced by members of First Voice Apprenticeship Program. We're looking for new members. If you want to learn how to produce radio and podcasts and raise your voice and be heard, here's your chance. Visit kpfaapprentice.org or call 510-848-6767, extension 235, to learn more and to apply. This is it for tonight's Full Circle, your weekly cultural affairs magazine. We're on every Friday at 7 p.m., and next week's show features our very own Arya Moshirian. Join us. All Full Circle shows can be found at kpfaapprentice.org, along with links to all that we've covered here tonight. Our executive producer is Ms. M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I've been your host this evening, Sharon Peterson. Our thanks to fellow apprentice Mari Nakagawa on the board, and thanks to our tech assists, Shanice and Aria. Stay tuned now for La Onda Bajita!